welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. This weekly podcast, led by me, Ann Hambly, will cover information about commercial real estate that you won't find anywhere else. I've spent my career in the servicing shops, led many of them, and helped shape the CRE servicing industry as we know it today. Hey, I'm very excited to have today on our podcast Dan Lesser. Dan is co-founder, president, and CEO of LW Hospitality Advisors and also serves on our First Service Solutions Advisory Board. So I'm very honored to have you on, Dan. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. So, Dan, let's go ahead and pop right in, and nobody wants to hear any more from me. We want to hear from you. Maybe you can start out by giving us a, a sort of an, a good old-fashioned SWOT analysis of the hospitality industry, and you're also welcome to start with a tiny bit of information on LW Hospitality, just so people know where you come from uh, in our industry. Sure, sure. So a little bit about LW Hospitality Advisors. We're uh, a little more than 11 years uh, uh, in existence at this point. Um, we have uh, three, three main silos of uh, service offerings uh, exclusively focused on the lodging sector, hotels, resorts, casinos, conference centers, timeshare properties. Uh, during our 11 years of existence, we've done work in all 50 states, Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean, and the UK. So the three silos, silo number one, I describe as a non-advocacy silo, uh, uh, appraisal, valuations, market studies, feasibility studies. Uh, candidly, it doesn't really matter who is hiring us uh, for our services in that silo. Our, our findings are our findings. Uh, silo number two, oh, by the way, I, let me just add that in silo number one, we do a lot of litigation-related work um, for a whole myriad of reasons. Um, and really, at all points of the cycle, um, and you and I have been around long enough to know that you put people and money together, invariably you end up with disputes in good times or bad times. So that is a big part of our practice as well. And just a little footnote there, uh, in addition to serving as an expert witness, I also uh, serve as, a, uh, as an arbitrator in, uh, in certain disputes as well. Silo number two is an advocacy silo. We call it asset management, and we do provide traditional third-party hotel asset management services. We have roughly 35 assets in that portfolio where we oversee day-to-day -day operators, hotel operators. We are not day-to-day -day operators, but we oversee them as an owner's representative. Um, a a sub-silo within, within asset management is uh, work that we do with folks who we very respectfully refer to as newbies to the hotel space. Smart, sophisticated folks, uh, they know and understand real estate, finance, their markets, uh, they either have money or access to money. Uh, they check all the boxes except, you know, maybe lacking a little bit on knowledge about hospitality. And that, that's where we come in uh, as an advocate and provide a broad range of services uh, from at one end of the spectrum, uh, um, determining hotel highest and best hotel use for a particular site, uh, determining whether a property should be branded, soft branded, um, how it should be managed by a brand or not. And then we run processes and uh, negotiate business points for these, for these different categories. A third subsegment within asset management is receivership work. And you may recall that uh, last year and for about 18 months, 
Um, I was a, uh, the court-appointed receiver on a 46-property hotel portfolio uh, all around the country. These assets were located at and uh, ultimately effectuated a, uh, um, a sale of the portfolio for about $900 million. Uh, the third silo is a predictive analytics platform, Lodging Analytics Research and Consulting, or LARC. Uh, provides a uh, um, um, pr pr predictive uh, uh, work that is second to none and doesn't exist in the lodging sector, both nationally and within uh, major markets uh, and some secondary markets. At this point, uh, we cover about 44 markets around the country. Uh, like I said, it's subscription-based, uh, but we also do quite a, quite a bit of custom work for a whole variety of institutional uh, investors who are focused in the lodging sector. So that's, uh, that's a little bit about um, LW hospitality. You know, in terms of uh, a SWOT analysis, I, I really, I, I like talking about uh, strengths, weaknesses, uh, opportunities, and threats, uh, because listen, nothing is perfect and you know, uh, everything's got, uh, got, got good points, but uh, there are also some challenges and clearly the lodging sector has challenges. Uh, there's no question about it, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good to talk about as well. So um, I'm also an optimist at heart. So I I never like to finish with uh, uh, you know SWAT calls for threats to be last. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, um, opportunities last and keep the optimism going. Good idea. So let's see. You know, talking about the um, the, the strengths. Um, you know, the National Bureau of Economic uh, Research came out with a proclamation that the COVID recession uh, lasted only two months, what? the shortest in U.S. history, uh, which is which is really quite remarkable, uh, because remember, going into COVID, there was a lot of fear about, you know, how this was going to devastate the economy. And then additionally, the U.S. Department of uh, Commerce, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, uh, uh, put out a report that America's economy is now bigger today than it was pre-COVID. Um, quarterly GDP rose to $19.4 trillion the second quarter of last year. And that was higher than the $19.2 trillion that occurred in the fourth quarter of 19. Uh, U.S. consumers have been, you know, flush with trillions of dollars of, of uh, fiscal stimulus uh, they were snapping up manufactured goods and scarce materials at, at record pace. Um, you know, although although during the near term, interest rates are anticipated to rise on a on a relative long term basis, um, they have and, and will continue to remain ultra low. I mean, I remember the early 80s when interest rates were, uh, you know, approaching 20 percent. Uh, obviously, we're not even anywhere as close to that. Corporate earnings uh, experienced a boost from uh, recently unleashed pent-up consumer demand, which resulted in, uh, it has resulted in record high U.S. hotel market indices. Um, pretty, pretty remarkable given, you know, again, when we went into COVID, there was a lot of fear. Um, new construction in the lodging sector. Again, we're still talking about strengths. New, uh, new construction is, for the most part, relatively muted um, due to a reduced inflow of uh, uh, new projects 
that are being planned as, oppo as opposed to uh, pre-COVID, uh, the prolonged effects of the, the pandemic, uh, above average inflation, rising interest rates, labor material shortages, um, as well as you know price increases is, is probably gonna continue to be key factors in terms of decision-making for developers relative to new product. And so um, the near term looks pretty good in terms of control of new supply, which has always been an Achilles heel for the lodging sector. Um, clearly the world is just awash in, in capital, uh, chasing yield, the competition for which is placing upward pressure on pricing of many asset classes, including commercial real estate. Um, there has been and there continues to be an unprecedented amount of domestic and overseas debt and equity uh, investors that are that are um, looking at all capital stack tranches in connection with single existing and proposed hotel assets, portfolios, M&A, financings, refinancings, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we could talk specifics about the, uh, about the uh, transaction market, but just uh, quickly noting um, 2021 pricing for single uh, U.S. hotel properties was incredibly robust. We're seeing that continue into Q1 of 2022. Um, interesting to note that there were in 20, last year in 2021, there were five hotel sales nationally above $2 million per room. During uh, uh, 2021, uh, pricing for U.S. hotel properties was extremely robust, um, and we're seeing that continue into Q1 of 2022. Um, we can get into some more specifics later on, but just on a high level, interesting to note, there were five U.S. hotel sales above $2 million per room that occurred in 2021. And when you consider that there have only been nine U.S. hotel trades ever that have occurred at $2 million per room. It's pretty notable that more than half of those sales occurred during the year of a global pandemic. Pretty amazing. Um, also interesting to note that, that there were six trades of U.S. hotels. These are single asset trades uh, above $1 million per room. Again, considering that there have been only 33 such trades ever of a million dollars per room. Uh, it's pretty notable that nearly 20% of such sales occurred, again, during a, a global pandemic. Um, there's been some, some record uh, uh, submarket per unit pricing that's occurred. Uh, for example, last year, the Four Seasons Resort in Orlando at Disney World uh, set a record price for just about $1.4 million per room. That's a record for Orlando. Um, Aspen, Colorado, the Mountain Chalet traded for just over a million dollars per room. Uh, in Hawaii, there was a residence in that, that sold for $740,000 per key. Uh, that is the highest price ever paid for a US select service hotel. Another interesting note is that last year, the Alita Ventana in Big Sur um, sold twice. Um, once for uh, um, $150 million um, or $2 million. I take that back. It sold for about 100 and, uh, 
$148 million. Uh, Hyatt bought the property. They were managing it. Uh, they bought the property from Giolo. Uh, the reason they bought it was it was strategic in that uh, Giolo was able to sell it free and clear of the Hyatt management encumbrance. They did not want to lose the management of the hotel. So they bought it and they sold it shortly thereafter for a few, few million dollars more to host hotels and resorts. And uh, the per unit trade on that is just over 2.5 million per key, the, the highest amount ever paid for a U.S. hotel. So again, really remarkable that during a global pandemic, we've had these incredible trading metrics for hotels. And also remarkable when you consider that there, there has been a disconnect in terms of the operating fundamentals for the lodging sector and that assets are trading either at or above pre-COVID levels. There's, there's a big disconnect there. And that is attributable to uh, what I label capital velocity. Again, this just the enormous amount of capital that's out there from all parts of the world. Um, I've been doing what I do for more than 40 years, and I don't recall ever so much money flowing in uh, to the United States and, and a lot of it getting earmarked for, uh, for hospitality. Last thing in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, uh, strengths, uh, mergers, acquisitions, spinoffs, there are a whole slew of them that, that occurred last year. Um, Blackstone and Starwood bought uh, Extended Stay America. Uh, Blackstone purchased Condor Hospitality Trust. Hyatt Hotels um, acquired Apple Leisure Group. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, there's also been quite a number of uh, uh, mergers and acquisitions within the uh, hotel management space. Uh, for example, Pyramid Hotel Group and Benchmark uh, Hospitality uh, merged. Ambridge acquired uh, Prism Hospitality. Um, more recently, TPG purchased Marshall. Ambridge, again, acquired Newcrest Image. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting how all these, uh, um, you know, smaller entities are either combining to become larger entities or the larger entities are gobbling up the smaller ones. Um, another big announcement recently is that Starwood and Blackstone teaming up again um, to purchase Wood Spring Suites. Uh, pretty significant portfolio. The bottom line is that institutional institutional investment platforms, many of whom are lodging centric, are clearly dominating the uh, the hotel acquisition arena, and hotel asset prices are anticipated to continue to remain robust, with little if any investor anticipation of erosion in terms of value. So let's move on to uh, to weaknesses uh, for a second. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that, that corporations are facing increasing challenges, transitioning uh, uh, return to office initiatives. Um, I quite candidly do not believe that we are ever going back to a true five-day uh, work week in an office. Doesn't mean that people are not working five days a week, um, but there's, you know what, I was convinced that, that pre-Delta, pre Yes, we would go back to quote unquote normal, but after Delta and now Omicron, I, I don't think it's ever going back to quote unquote normal, whatever that means. You know, if you if you think about it, there are several major firms like Amazon and PwC uh, that have frankly announced that they're allowing employees to work remotely indefinitely. Um, other weaknesses, you know, on the one hand, a booming U.S. economy. 
uh, is good, but you know, clearly global supply chain struggles, we all know about that. And it's not just the lodging industry, it's all industries uh, placing upward pressure on prices of, of goods and services. And we also know about inflation and how it's surging. Um, I do find it interesting when people talk about transitory. I don't know, really know what that means. Um, but inflation's here. There's no question about it. You know, is it going to dissipate at some point? Sure. At some point it will. I don't know when. I'm not an economist. Um, um, but it's here. And it's here with a vengeance. And, um, you know, I, again, I'm not an economist, but it doesn't seem to be dissipating all that quickly. Um, labor, again, a, a huge challenge for the lodging sector. Uh, as well as lots of other industries, and then along with with uh, with with the difficulty in in obtaining labor, uh, rising influence of of unions, labor unions, is clearly creating upward pressure in terms of um, wages and and benefits. Uh, another weakness for the sector: the return of business travel and large group uh, industry meetings. Returning to pre-COVID levels has remained and is continued to be very, very uncertain at this point. Uh, it's less likely the more time that that passes before the pandemic finally ends, um, you know, that it's going to take longer and longer. There's a long lead time to to for conventions and group meetings to to book, and uh, we've already seen in 2022. Uh, a number of high-profile cancellations uh, of all sorts of uh, conventions and, and group meetings. You know, virtual meetings, uh, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a phenomenon that, frankly, was available for more than 10 years prior to the pandemic, really obviously became a thing during the pandemic. Um, I think for all intents and purposes, it's safe to say that uh, virtual meetings are not going away, and they are going to endure beyond the eventual end of the pandemic. So that, that creates, you know, negative pressure in terms of the, the need to travel and the need for, you know, face-to-face -face meetings aside from virtual ones. And then, of course, uh, you know, U.S. Uh, uh, downtown 24-7 urban cores, which used to be the darling markets and are now the dogs for a whole host of reasons uh, that many of us are, you know, familiar with, um, but what's interesting is that a lot of these properties are also experiencing rising uh, property tax burdens um, and insurance premiums. So think about it. You know, their revenues are, 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 are not rising all that quickly, and yet uh, real estate tax burdens and insurance, insurance premiums are. Um, the lodging sector seems to be, in, in my humble opinion, you know, overly segmented. And uh, travelers are very confused with the persistent rollout of new hotel brands. And it is quite remarkable that since COVID uh, uh, commenced two years ago, we've had a whole slew of new hotel brands come out. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. And again, it's, it's, it, it creates tremendous weakness, in my humble opinion, for the sector. Um, the, the hotel industry continues to be challenged with competition from short-term rentals like Airbnb. Again, that's not going away. And um, the last thing I would say about, uh, about uh, weaknesses of that safety and security issues pertaining to hotel guests and employees continue to be an ever more demanding uh, uh, situation for, for travelers. A couple of threats. 
listen, you know, uh, <laughs> I'd like to think COVID's over. I hope it is, but, you know, we don't know. Uh, there is talk I've read about some other variants out there. Um, you know, clearly inf inflationary pressures that we talked about uh, a couple of minutes ago. Um, a real threat to resulting in costs to operate hotels exceeding increases in top line revenue. Um, uh, forbearance periods that were granted uh, uh, during the pandemic, they're coming to an end. And clearly it's going to end up resulting in unpleasant borrower lender discussions. Uh, there is an increasing number of lawsuits that are occurring in the sector due to ADA accessibility um, issues on hotel uh, industry websites, which is kind of mind boggling. Uh, cybersecurity risks are, you know, have been and continue to be and will continue to be a real challenge. Um, and then, of course, the, you know, the geopolitical issues that are going on in the world. Right. Uh, all we need to do is turn on the TV and know, you know, hear what's going on in uh, in Europe and and, um, you know, beyond Europe, uh, China and Taiwan, you know, the, the, the Middle East. Right. Um, these are all threats to to the notion of, of, of travel. And obviously, if travel slows down or ceases to happen for a period of time, uh, that's not a good thing for the lodging sector. Uh, sort of wrapping this up, um, opportunities for the sector. You know, with a hybrid model of working, um, a term that's frankly getting very overused, but it is fairly descriptive and fairly uh, on, leisure, be leisure. So that's a combination of business and leisure. Travel is a big thing, and it's going to continue. Uh, so the notion of somebody, you know, going on a business trip, uh, you know, Thursday and Friday, and then making a weekend out of it and staying Saturday, Sunday, um, I heard somebody quoted recently saying that uh, Thursday used to be the big checkout day pre-COVID, right? Thursday is now the big check-in day. So kind of interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Lodging investment uh, historically has proven to be a great hedge against inflation uh, because of the notion of being able to reprice guest rooms on a continuous basis, right? In an up market, that's a beautiful thing. In a down market, it'll kill you like we saw with COVID. Uh, but again, inflation is here and uh, the ability for hotels to raise room rates uh, by the nanosecond to combat rising costs uh, is, is a real opportunity. There's also been a tremendous amount of uh, hotels that are being converted to alternative uses, whether it be multifamily, senior living, student and workforce housing. Um, which is, uh, which, which is, again, a tremendous opportunity to, to figure out what to do with functionally and physically obsolete properties. It also ends up with a, uh, a net deduction in terms of supply, because as we talked about earlier, supply is fairly muted. And so you have a fair number of properties that are coming out of uh, uh, operating as hotels and either being scraped or being converted to alternative uses. Um, technological advances continue to increase operating efficiencies. That is not going away anytime soon. That's only going to continue as time goes on. Um, like the airline industry, uh, lodging uh, operators are experimenting with a la carte pricing for services and amenities. It'll be interesting to see whether that actually takes hold. Um, the bottom line is that long-term, well-capitalized, uh, opportunistic investors that bet big 
and at the right basis and early in the cycle, acquiring and or investing in loans, assets, and operating companies are likely going to reap tremendous financial rewards that generate outsized returns. And again, when you look at some of the, uh, you know, some of the names out there that, you know, we talked about just a few minutes ago, whether it be Starwood and Blackstone, right? Smart, sophisticated, proven track records in terms of, of knowing when to uh, enter and exit uh, hotel opportunities. These folks are active and it speaks volumes about the perceived upside uh, for the sector. The last thing I would say is that um, distressed opportunities are coming. There have been some because of the enormous amount of capital uh, that's out there. What we've seen is that uh, uh, distressed, distressed opportunities that have compelling stories to them uh, have been bid up. So we, we've, we've seen distressed trades, but not necessarily reflecting distressed pricing. The fact is that uh, there are more distressed deals that are, that are going to be coming around fairly soon. So, Anne, hopefully that uh, gives you a good overview of, uh, of what I perceive to be the uh, a SWOT analysis for the lodging sector. Well, that was incredible and a lot of really good insight, Dan. I really appreciate you sharing all that with us. And, um, you know, I interviewed, um, I had uh, Shirag Shah from AHLA on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and he also introduced me to the word bleasure. <laughs> I had not heard that before, but I guess that is a new term now uh, that's pretty prevalent in the industry. So now I heard you say it too, so I know that. But thank you again for your time. I'm sure everyone will find this very insightful. And um, I uh, look forward to um, hearing from you again soon. Thank you for the opportunity. Great to be with you.